The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen today. Uh, I'm Sharon Kleina, and our subject is the power of water. And before I get into my dialogue about why is this show for all these years concentrating on water, I'm going to tell you about my guest today. I'm really excited about both of them. I have Robert Weir on again. Robert's been on with us before, and he travels the world, and we find him one of our favorite guests of all time. We've always enjoyed when he comes on because he can give us a feel of what's going on around the world because he travels so much. And he's a writer, and you're going to learn more about what he's been writing about. Then our second guest is Marie Dubuque. Uh, She's a social media etiquette expert, certified life coach and author, and I'm excited today to talk to Marie because of the latest thing we were all learning about, the woman uh, who uh, was on the bus. You may have heard about her. Um, She uh, is uh, Karen Klein, who was on a bus um, here in the country, and the children were harassing her, bullying her, and it came out to be a controversy of why people could be such a disrespectful, and I'm really anxious to talk to Marie, and we'll talk about what's going on around the world of disrespect to other people's lives and how important each person's life is to them. But now to the water. Water is at a crisis, but it doesn't have to be forever. We as a group throughout the United States and the world, we've been bringing on people from all walks of life that have been concentrating on the the water crisis. Now, without water, there'd be no life on earth, as you know, and without humidity in the air, which is water in the air, which water on earth provides humidity, and the atmosphere also provides with the surface water on earth humidity, and they all must be healthy for us to live and be disease-free. Now, disease-free, did you know that you're made up of trillions of cells? in the body, and each cell in the body carries a water droplet called a molecule. Now, what is the word dehydration? Dehydration of the body is the one, the moment you were born, you entered in the delivery room, you left a pocket of water, and you began to live in the air of humidity without water around you. Your lifestyle, your choices, drinking water is vital, of course. How vital is it to drink water? Because you are walking water, you must drink 8 to 10 glasses of water in a 24-hour period with no sugar in it, no added added anything, just plain water within a 24-hour period to give your body the hydration it requires so it wouldn't dehydrate so quickly. 
Now, what is a disease? Toxin in the cell grabbing onto the next cell, grabbing onto the next cell, because the, the cells are not meant to carry all that toxin. Now, I've been very blunt with our doctors and the scientists and the authorities on, that we've had on the show. I call that toxin manure. And if you carry that in your body, it turns to heat. And then all of a sudden it grabs onto the next cell and the next cell and what is happening to diseases, to allergies, to the common cold, to the itch on the toe, to stress. Can you imagine the stress on the body having to, to hydrate? And it's having to pick up so much moisture out of the air, but what if the air is not suitable to pick up enough moisture humidity because your organism, the body, has to attract to that? There are no two eyes alike when you're born, no two fingerprints, and more. What is dehydration? Individuality of dehydration. So stop and think of how important water on earth is to you and your life. Did you know that 5,000 children are dying a day without water? That is unacceptable. With all that we've, so our forefathers in the beginning of time, how far we've come, that is unacceptable. On Earth, there's 97% salt water, 3% fresh water, but only 1% is available for us to be able to utilize. And each week, I'm going to start giving you a little bit of overview on some of the things I'm learning about aquifers. And something that I have studied, because all of you know, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research. And I've been studying water for over 30 years. And I have products on the market, the first handheld water devices to be able to supplement the humidity for the skin and the eyes and more. So I had to study all of this. And then when I learned about the aquifers below the surface of the earth, I was astonished that most people don't understand the function of an aquifer. And I want you to go to your website and look up aquifer, A-Q-U-I-F-E-R, aquifers. And then each week we're going to be learning more about aquifers. It's a storage in a reservoir of water below the surface of the earth that is influential to the hydraulic of water on the surface of the earth. And then there's one over in Texas that I want you to learn more about, not just in Texas, but several states. It's called O-G-A-L-L-A-L-A, Agalala, Agala Aquifer, O-G-A-L-L-A-L-A. It's an exciting aquifer that covers an enormous amount of miles, 174,000 miles of water through several states. That aquifer is so important to all that is happening for the agriculture to the humidity of the air and soil and more. So learn about aquifers, and we're going to be learning more about each show from now on. I'm going to take you on a course of what we can learn about what's going on, and then we can begin to study together and what we can do to save the planet Earth. Remember, we've had NASA on and um, NOAA on with uh, Dr. D- Cecil, and he was saying too, and we both agreed, that the solar system is affected by Earth, and Earth is affecting the solar system. So let's learn more. And you know the biggest, the greatest influence is the water, what is happening to the water on Earth. 
We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, which is one of those products. Did you know that the surface of your eyes is 99% water? You have a Nature's Tear Film. Tear Film covers the eye to protect you from water loss, dehydration. Did you know that when the eye drop touches it or you don't get enough moisture to the eye, you'll dehydrate that area and have a vision impairment that could eventually maybe lead to blindness? Nature Tears Eye Mist is the first water supplement of tissue culture-grade water to be able to mist with just a supplement and give the eyes the thirst quenching to help give it the strengthening and electrolytic energy that it requires. All natural. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Robert Weir. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Robert, are you with us? Hello there, Sharon. Yes, I am. Good morning. I'm with you very well this morning. Well, thank you. I I was really looking forward to this. Uh, when, when When was the first time you were ever on with us? It was about four years ago? I believe that it was. Um, I don't remember chronology very well, Sharon, but uh, I think it was, it was a nice time ago. We've yes, got a good it was, relationship and I always enjoy it. You, and today <laughs> you want to, but today before we go into which your travels, uh, you know, you're a writer, an author, an editor, a speaker, and an author's coach who travel the world, and you've been at this a long time. Tell us a little bit how you got, what, how you got to where you're at today, because I always like people to get to know our guests. Oh, that is a great question. Well, I, Sharon, I've always had a desire to travel that I pretty much uh, inhibited when I was a younger man in my 20s. I, at that time, I followed the traditional route of high school graduation, junior college, college, um, marriage, career, family, and, and all of that good, uh, but I also realized I had a greater desire to travel, which we did a little bit as a family in the United States, but the more uh, pertinent and recent answer to the question deals with uh, an intention that I stated in 2004. Well, from 1998 to 2003, I took care of my aging dad in the last five years of his life, and uh, then 
a year after he passed, uh, I wrote a business card, Have Laptop Will Travel. You know, the old variation from the Paladin series, TV series from the Westerns of Have Gun Will Travel, mm-hmm. and also Bob Hope's biography is called Have Tuxedo Will Travel. Mm-hmm. So I wrote Have Laptop Will Travel, knowing that I wanted to be able to travel and write more, not knowing exactly how I was going to do that, but I put the intention out there. And I really believe in the power of intentionality. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and the universe, uh, God, whatever word you might want to describe for that, uh, you know, that entity of energy, um, has really provided me with a wonderful lifestyle at this time. I became a book editor for other authors, which was not in my plan, if you will, in 2004. I've done work with people I didn't even know about in 2004, so I could not have planned where I am now, but I believe that the universe knew what I wanted to do or knew how to fulfill my intention of having a laptop and desiring to travel and write. So technically, uh, Sharon, I am... uh, by choice. I am traveling on the road much of the time, staying with people that, who I know or in hotels a little bit. And when I'm back in my home state of Michigan, I um, house sit for relatives, which is very desirable for them as well as me. But I, I don't like to say that I'm a vagabond. I'd rather say that I am an itinerant articulator because of the speeches and the writing that I do. Mm-hmm. And you've been traveling, and, and we've talked to you when you've traveled on a sailboat with how many people. That, tell our audience really quickly about the sailboat. Uh, you've been sailing most of your life, and you decided to go on a large sailboat with a group of people that everybody did a job on the sailboat. Tell us about, was that a couple of years ago? That was in 2010, yes, and I started sailing thanks to some good friends in 1991 on Lake Michigan. I sailed on the Great Lakes for several years, but the trip that you're talking about was in 2010, uh, where, again, intentionality came into play here. I... Uh, had business reasons, well, friendship and business reasons, to be in Spain in May of 2010, in Russia in June of 2010, and in India in July of 2010. And I decided not to return back to the United States between each one of those trips, but to go traveling. And I put out the intention that I wanted to travel by water as much as I could. Uh-huh. And so my itinerary for that trip then included flying from Michigan to Barbados, where I got aboard the ship you are referring to, the uh, Royal Clipper. Uh, it's the world's largest square-rigged tall ship. It has five masts and 300-some uh, feet long, close to 400 feet long, I believe. It's a very large vessel. And I sailed from Barbados on that ship to Malaga, Spain. And then uh, and there were about 100 passengers aboard. The ship will hold 200, I believe, but for the Atlantic crossing, it was about half full. And then um, from Spain, I flew to Greece, and I got aboard a uh, three-masted schooner, um, um, a three-masted barkentine, 
which is a type of a sailing vessel, and I competed in a tall ship's regatta with young sailors, some of whom had never been to sea before. It was a training vessel, a sail training vessel. And we competed in this regatta from Volos, Greece, to Varna, Bulgaria, over a 12-day period, including oh from Anchorage out of, out of Istanbul, Turkey. Uh-huh. So, And then to continue that itinerary, uh, I... Uh, uh, then flew uh, from um, Bulgaria to Germany, where I stayed with a friend for about a week and also visited some other cities, and then took a, uh, a, a commercial passenger vessel and cargo vessel from Lubeck, Germany, to St. Petersburg, Russia, uh, covering pretty much the length of the Baltic Sea. And so that's how I got from Barbados to uh, St. Petersburg, Russia, mostly by water, and then I flew to India uh, for my business meeting there. Wow, yeah. And, and, flew, and flew back to the United States from India. Uh, that would be in, the, in September of 2010. Mm-hmm. And then you went in 2011. You chose I went to go, back to India. Yeah, you went back to India. Now tell us about uh, when you went to India, you went to Turkey and India, uh, tell us about what you learned, and are you doing any writing about your travels uh, that you had been? Yes, you mentioned two trips there, uh, Sharon. Uh, I went back to India and then also more recently to Turkey. But on the subject of India, um, I went to India on a writing assignment. Uh, being a book editor for and an author's coach, I had a client who has been working in Kolkata, India. I'll say Kolkata, but also clarify that under the British influence, we learned to call that city Calcutta. But the official Indian name, which they use today, is Kolkata. So anyway, my friend Rosalie has been uh, working, a client and friend Rosalie, has been working with slum-dwelling children in Kolkata for the last 11 years. Uh, She co-founded an organization called Empower the Children that... uh, uh, teaches slum-dwelling children in Kolkata, and she's writing a book about her experiences there, as well as her experience. Yet. I mean, she was a special educator in New Jersey for 28 years, and then in her 50s went through that middle-of-the-life transition, if you will, and stepped out on her own to go someplace that she really wanted to go. So her story is also one of uh, life-changing bravery, let's say, especially for uh, a woman who wasn't sure about traveling alone. Uh, But anyway, so I went there to work with her on her book, and um, I was in Kolkata for four months, in India for six, and in Kolkata for four. And so in addition to working with Rosalie on her book, I did post stories on my website. And your listeners, our listeners, can look at those stories uh, by going to my website, which is Robert M., as in Martin, Weir, W-E-I-R, dot com. The, the tabs at the head of the website are uh, who, the famous who, what, where, when, why, and how. Yeah. And if, you look at the, if you look at the what tab, you'll see that there's some books there, and that's how you would find some of my writings about India. Uh, then more recently, I traveled to Turkey for two weeks. <laughs> no, I'm not going to write about it, Sharon. I went on holiday. I left my laptop back in the United States and just went to enjoy Turkey. And no, I have no plans to write any stories about it. It was just a time to get away and refresh. Which well, before was we a go back experience. to India, when you were in Turkey, 
if you had your laptop, what was the most important? What, what, what was the most impressive thing that you found that you could write about if you decided to take your laptop? What, how did you? Where did you come from with when you came back? In Turkey, there were two same places or two types of things that were there. First of all, the people are very friendly and helpful, and that was you know that's an underlying theme in what I write about. But the archaeological ruins there from the Roman era and the Ottoman Empire and such are really fantastic. But the number one thing deals with water, and uh, and this is true whether I were talking with you as a water person or not. There's a place in. Turkey called Pamukkale. That's P A M M U P A M U K K A L E. Pamukkale, and it is a a Roman site. There is a, there are Roman ruins there, and very extensive ruins. But you know, the Romans loved their baths. And coming out of the top of a of a hillside, or uh, just below the Roman ruins, is this water that is filled with calcium. It's 102 degrees, so it's a hot springs. And people, including myself, were able to go into the hot springs and bathe in that calcium-enriched water. And then the water flows from those hot springs, and it it is cascading down the side of this hill, not quite a mountain, but it's a large hill, and it is covering that hillside with calcium formations that are absolutely beautiful. It's crystal clear uh, white and like your teeth. Beautiful, like a mountainside or a hillside of beautiful white teeth. And I really recommend that listeners go onto the Internet. You'll see websites and pictures of Amakali, Turkey. Yeah, so that looks like kind of like ice, like crystals of ice that would form if it's very cold, but this was calcium deposits formed. Yep. Yes, calcium deposits that from a distance, and I've shown pictures to some of my friends since I came back, and they said, well, it looks like snow on a hillside. And it does look like snow, except for it's beautifully hard. And what's Uh wonderful is that when you walk into the park area in this part of Pamakali, you have to take off your shoes, and you begin to walk across the flatter or the sloped sides of this hillside, and this beautiful calcium enriched warm water flows across your feet. And, and Sharon, quite honestly, when I was there, I thought about you and your love of water and what you do with water. And I said, I, someday you and I are going to have this conversation. We're <laughs> standing in the water. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. And there, are pool, there are pools of water. People Now the calcium that. deposits, Robert, did they begin to build up? To where, it, it, how, how large are the calcium deposits? Because they wouldn't go away, would they? Oh, they're, they're acres and acres and acres uh, on the hillside. Uh-huh. It's absolutely beautiful. And, and uh-huh. the people there in charge of this place at Palmacali are channeling the water. So I mean, there's a part of it where water no longer flows, but the calcium deposits there are solid and they are dry. And then they have the people in charge have created other channels, maybe about uh, 12 inches deep, where the water is flowing to new parts of the hillside and building, creating pools and building up the, the calcium deposits that look like they are flowing in, in solid form uh, on the side of this hill. 
Now, when you got out of the water, what did your skin look like when you first got out of the water? Getting out of that pool of water, I felt absolutely great. I mean, my, my skin felt rich, uh, you know, calcium fortified. I mean, that's a, calcium is a great mineral. It's one of our natural minerals. And to have it draw from the earth and be carried uh, in water, in, you know, through water, and then where I was able to have it immerse my body into it and, of course, breathe the, the vapors that would be rising from that, uh, that hot water. Uh, I felt good. And I forget what the, I had a little malady. I'm not sure a little stump set or, or my, back, well, my back was sore. That's right. The day before, because we had done a lot of walking. Then when I got out of that, that pool, my, my back felt fine. There was no soreness then or for several days later until we did a lot of walking again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm glad, we, I'm glad I brought up turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did, too. If you hadn't, I would oh my have. Gosh, I, I could wanted have to tell you about Pamukkale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. You know, and, and now, do you know, compared to the rest of the world, is that one of the wonders of the world, that spot? <laughs> Uh, it is not one of the official wonders of the world in capital letters, uh, no, uh, but it sure is a wondrous spot. And, and Turkey is a beautiful place. Oh, my gosh, the topography there uh, is, is just terrific. Um, there's another section uh, in the central now, do they have Now, do they have mountain ranges? Uh, there are mountain ranges. We didn't see tall mountains like uh, where I am in the Rocky Mountains right now in the United States or the Himalayas like in northern India. But there's mountainous terrain or at least some elevation changes. And the area of um, Cappadocia in the central part of Turkey, on the, on the Asian part of Turkey, is a beautiful area too with, with rock formations that are from uh, sandstone. Uh, and at a time when lava flowed down through there and then water must have eroded it away also. But these, these um, sandstone formations look like tall cones, 200, 300 feet tall perhaps. Mm-hmm. And people have literally carved their homes out of the hillsides. And we were able to go into some of those places, churches, monasteries, carved out of the, uh, the hillside of these uh-huh. sandstone cliffs. Uh, this beautiful area there. there. There was not the presence of water now, but you could see the presence of water in past times that eroded some of this away, leaving the formations that are there now. Well, of course, I'm going to ask when um, they're carving their home, uh, places of living and lifestyle out of the mountain, did they have a, 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 enough water there, too, to be able to, to live? I would presume so, because there are streams that are still flowing through that area. Uh, I really didn't get into discussing aquifers with anyone there, uh, but the water supply seemed to be ample in any of the places we stayed. Now, in, go to India. India is a place in the world that is just mystifying. And yet, yes. the mystifying side of India, as we've all been learning, uh, is is got us? It's 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 having a lot of challenges because there's so much poverty with a 1.2 billion population. What did you find in India with the water? Was the because uh, there's been a lot of water scarcity uh, for everybody to be able to have enough water every day. My experience with water was not 
a, a situation of lack, uh, but a situation of cleanliness. Uh, at least in, in the part of India where I was, uh, I was a couple of months in the Himalayas where the Indus River flows and there seemed to be an adequate supply of water there. Also in Kolkata, there was an adequate supply of water in the municipal system, uh, but as a Westerner with my Western-oriented stomach, uh, I drank only bottled water or filtered water. Right. Now, where that water actually came from, uh, where the, let's say where the bottled water actually came from, you know, where the bottling plants are, their purification systems and so on, I really don't know the answer to, but... Mm-hmm. There was watered bottle was everywhere. You could go into, you know, any kind of little store or restaurant and it was readily available. I know this is going to be a challenging question because you might not really remember, but how much do you think you had to pay for a bottled water, a bottle of water? Uh, I think a bottle of water was about ten, five or ten rupees uh, in yeah, it's a detail I don't remember, but five or ten rupees is not much money in a, compared to the U.S. dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, five rupees would be five rupees would be a dollar. Okay. No, five rupees is a dime. A dime. Okay, there we go. A that dime. sounds more like it. Right. Right, yeah, or 10 rupees would be 20 cents. So it, it was quite inexpensive, uh, especially when the... Uh, well, Brent, when I, I, I'm glad to hear that because uh, they do not have uh, safe water, and they're having a lot of problems with water. Now, before we go on to your... We only have about four minutes left. Uh, in your India, trip to India, what was the most memorable thing you have to tell our audience? The most memorable thing with my interactions people. And, and I stayed in Rosalie's flat, uh, which was in a slum area of, uh, of Kolkata. It was a relatively nice slum in that the buildings were made out of concrete as opposed to corrugated steel or wood uh, scraps and, and tar paper. But the sense of community really impressed me there. Many times I felt like I was watching the paradigm of it takes a village to raise a child. I was living in an urban village where the the people collectively raise everybody's children. They look out for each other. Mm-hmm. The children are playing with toys that are not made out of plastic and don't require batteries, like what I did when, as a boy. They play cricket. They play kirams. They spin tops, wooden tops. And, and that sense of community was very, very strong. And they were probably and, outside all the time because they don't have oh, large yes. quarters, so the children are going outside as soon as they, they're up and going in the morning. That is so correct. Everybody was interacts with other people in the commons area, which was right outside my window. I was one floor up from the commons. And so the sound of people chattering and singing and laughing and talking about gossip or politics or religion or, or whatever was happening in the neighborhood was right there. The sound of neighborhood, the sound of neighbors being neighbors was so strong. I, it was so and in so many of, of our suburban communities where people live in individual gated communities. That is, they, they drive up to their garage door, they press the button, they go inside, they lower the door, they see themselves from the rest of the world. That doesn't happen in Kolkata, India. Everybody is together, and that richness of community is just so strong. The other key thing that I noticed quickly was the difference not between East and West, 
So the differences between here then, or here now, and there then. And by that I mean I saw people in India, Kolkata, living the way I lived as a boy, the way my parents lived, the way my grandparents lived. And doing things, I mean, hanging clothes on a telephone line, playing games that don't require electricity, don't require some texting. Um, train systems in India are absolutely fantastic, far superior we have, especially across the Midwest part of the United States. And people walk like my grandparents and parents did. I had to walk. We didn't own a car there in India. We walked to the grocery store, which was about a 20-minute one way. You know, uh, Robert, I was watching an interview with a CEO of PepsiCo. She's from India. And she was saying she remembered her mother getting up before everybody got out of bed every morning and went out with the buckets of water, buckets to bring in water for everybody every day. This is the president. This is the CEO of one of the biggest corporations in the world, PepsiCo. And she said that what the family did to get to do things together. Uh, We only have a minute left, and you're getting ready for another journey. You're going into Oklahoma, New Jersey, Colorado, and I hope you're on your way to Oregon. (laughs) Uh, Actually, actually I'm I'm in Denver, Colorado this morning where I'm... uh, Oh, you are? I'm working with a client here as we're finishing up her book manuscript, and then I'm going to take some holiday time down through the southwest, the Grand Canyon, Sedona, Uh and visit some friends and clients uh, up the west coast. And, yes, I believe you and I are going to be sitting in your office studio at the end of July having another conversation for our listeners. Yes, it'll be exciting, and we're going to have you on the show that Monday. And, um, again, I will be face-to-face. Well, we're out of time, but I hope you can do this again from wherever journey you're sitting and tell your, your late, uh, the, uh, the hostess there hello for us. And, uh, again, I wanted to thank you for being on. And, oh, my gosh, keep up the writing. I'm hoping I can tap into that for my book. Yes, so you and I are going to talk about that at the end of July, Sharon. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person after our several radio conversations. Okay, you have a nice day and a wonderful journey of life. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye. Well, Robert Weir and I have always enjoyed each other from the moment we've been on and uh, the travels of thinking about the planet Earth is absolutely, you think about the earth and just touch the air. Take your hand and just push into the air away from yourself and close your eyes and think about how important that space is. That's what life is all about all over the world and to respect that life of everybody's life. And you will earn respect of your life and learn to give payback forward. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist. Did you know that your eyes at the surface are naturally 99% water, that internally you're trillions of cells of water. Think about it. You must drink water, but you also need to supplement the eyes to be healthy. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Marie. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Marie, are you with us? Hi, Sharon. Well, it's nice to have you on. Oh, it's great to be here. What a great show that you've got. You do such good work. Well, thank you so much. I think water is an issue. And uh, there's a lot of subject on Earth a radio talk show host could have, but Marie, I decided that I want Earth to last forever, and the importance of water in our everyday life uh, is vital. And, you know, have you ever heard of the book, The Hidden Passages in Water with Dr. Amoto? No, I haven't. Okay, well, you'd find that fascinating because he believed in research that water has messages. And messages that we're going to be talking about today is... You know, I'm, I'm a, I, I don't know, I, I, I've seen your pictures, you're, you're, you're young. I'm 70 years old, and I found myself when I was a young girl, my mother, one of the first books that my mother handed me that she was very, very serious, my father and mother, is to learn how to be polite, etiquette. Now, it's not stuffy. It means that you're concerning yourself besides your own life. You're learning how to live with other lives. Which right. is like Dr. Emoto said, the passages and messages of water bring a rhythm to the world, to the earth. And then we as humans, our organism, our life and our choices bring a rhythm around us of, and we're walking water. So we're, and then we're living in water humidity. And the story today is with you and what you've been dedicating yourself to is concerns of other people's life is all so important. And today I wanted to talk to you about this lady on the bus, um, the um, Karen Klein, the issue about the lady who was sitting on the bus as the bus. <gasps> right, right. I love your analogy, by the way. Oh, man, it makes my topic sound so important because I think it is, but a lot of people don't. They're like etiquette. I mean, no, no, no. But and, you're right, and, it is important. It's so much more than that. Maria, Maria. You know, knives and forks, right? Take it into the school system where the teachers come to school in the proper ward, uh, uh, clothing. How would you like to go to the doctor's office and the doctor walks in as if he just came from a picnic? Right, right. You know, and and, I mean, it's everything. And, and exactly. good manners and etiquette is not stuffy. It's concerning other people's lives before your own only. Now, tell I know, us and, and, that's, and you, you mentioned that. Um, it's so funny you mentioned It's not funny. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the bus monitor because, I oh, my gosh, that's been on my mind so often since that happened. It's just... It's completely troubling that our children, and you mentioned your, your mother taught you etiquette, and, and, and it seems like these parents aren't teaching their children etiquette these days. I don't know what's going on. Because why would you be cruel to this, this woman? I, I kind of have an idea to think about. 
We are a society of people who our forefathers came to these shores and they're gorgeous trunks and they opened up the trunks from these beautiful out clothing that they came with and wares from way off in other countries, our pioneers. But then all of a sudden they thought, oh my gosh, I better decide to throw that away and get into struggling a territorial, uh, a new adventure. Along the way, it got to where way back in time they forgot, they decided to get back to being particular, being a little bit more, um, the choices being much more uh, select, let's say. And then all of a sudden, we decided from the late 50s, early 60s, and so on, maybe that's too stuffy. Let's just let it all hang out and be a hippie. Well, I watched all that, and all I could think about, Marie, is, my gosh, where are we going to go with this? Because that isn't what life is all about, is being so disrespectful of other people's lives by choosing a wardrobe, not taking a bath, or being no manners being rude and crude, and not thinking about what the, disturbing the peace around you of other people's choices of lifestyle besides your own. So you teach us today what you've been learning. Right, exactly. And people ask me all the time, is it technology that makes us rude today? And no, it's not technology because that allows us to connect with so many more people and it's wonderful. But what makes everyone so rude is that they're so self-centered that everybody has to have everything right now. And you can't, you can connect with a lot of people, just not all at the same time. The person that you're with is the most important person, not the person on the phone, not the person in your email, not the person on Facebook. I, I got, I have a YouTube channel and I got a troubling message from a young woman. She said, I have lunch with my mother and my mother is on the phone the entire time we have lunch. What do I say? And this is what I told her. I said, you have to tell her, look, my time is as valuable as yours. And if you want to sit with me face to face, you've got to put away that phone. I think people don't realize what they're doing. We have to tell them. And that's not rude. It's just telling them the way it is. You know, Marie, it's so funny uh, what's going on with what you just said. The palm of the hand, the eyes are down. And one time I, 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 I tell you the truth and you're going to laugh. I've always watched these people walk around as if they didn't watch the traffic, as if they weren't you know, they were absolutely, uh, forgot the world was around them. So people right. could have ran them over. And one time I remember this fellow, I was walking across the street, and then all of a sudden this fellow was coming across the street alongside of me, and he's got his palm a hand, he's looking down. All of a sudden he looked up at me and says, well, hi. And then I didn't say one word to him, and he looked down and walked into a pole. I know you hear that all the time. People walk into construction sites, into oh, wet God. cement, I mean, I'll never into fountains. It I know to everything unless he wanted to be Don Juan. <laughs> but back to yeah, back to what you said is um, people have. I mean, it, well, look at the car accidents. Yeah, that's what's scary. And the train accidents with train engineers. Oh, and we have now uh, pilots and major p- airlines. I know, I know. I mean, it's, it, it's so innocent if somebody, he's just trying to get your attention and then he walks into a pole. But, but <laughs> it's, so, it's serious when, when, when people are behind the wheel. And, and it's, it's troubling. And you know what? Another thing, too, Sharon, is, is our young people, and I don't want to just sit here and rag on the young people, but I have employers telling me that these young kids that come in, you know, right out of college, 
they have no social skills whatsoever, no eye contact, and they just do terribly during these interviews because they're so used to texting and tweeting, and they can't have a face-to-face conversation. Well, so I, ran, I ran into that. Future? Uh, Mary, I run into that with my staff. You know, I call them my, my, my brilliant computer staff, my nerd staff. Uh. And, you know, get them in a meeting. You're right. They do not want eye contact. They do not have the social skills. They're actually backward when it comes time for social awareness and, uh, and market strategies and strategizing. Everything right. has to be robotic. Exactly. I mean, you're right. You are right. It's very scary. And the people that are coming on there talking to you that are employers are right. It, uh, with these kids, you, and, and that is a book all by itself. Oh, I know. I know. And what's going to happen? I have a 16-year-old, and I just, I wonder, he's so involved in Facebook and everything, and and I say, watch what you put on Facebook, because the world can see it. He says, no, 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 I have privacy settings. I said, you have to forget about privacy settings. Forget they're even there, because just consider everything public, because whatever Mm -hmm. you put out there on the Internet, the whole world will see 20 years from now, some Fortune 500 company will see that and may or may not hire you based on that. Well, Marie, I'll tell you one. This is a funny, interesting thing. (laughs) Um, I'm going to bring up something about what I had happen in 2007. I was asked to be on somebody's radio talk show from Manhattan, a doctor. And uh, I kept didn't have time, and finally my secretary got found some time. So I go on and uh, answer questions about uh, my world and the research in water and and why the humidity and why the particular water that we use, tissue culture grade of water and uh, the seriousness of the eyes and the vision impairment because of, of dehydration and so on. Well, the show went very well, and next thing I knew, my staff said, did you know that you're, you're, he, put, he, he did a film and, and, and soundbited you and put it on YouTube? And I said, pardon? So we went over <laughs> and looked at it, and he had gotten a funny joke about our company, my product, and how serious, and right below him, in Manhattan, we had every single street corner what, uh, our products being sold. Nature Series IMS was in Duane Reed, CVS, Walgreens, the store, ta-da. And I'm thinking, what in heck? So I called him up, and I said, what did you just do here? He said, oh, I think your water is just funny. <gasps> and, uh, and, and, and it's been up there. You cannot, once it's up there, you're Oh, I know you can't know. get it down. You can't get it down. So a few months ago, somebody said, uh, some stock analysts were saying, do you know, maybe there's a way to get that down. And uh, so I called him, and I said, doctor, I think you probably forgot it was on there. He swore up and down. He never did that. But he, he did just what you said. People can take what you put on there and soundbite it, m- manipulate the, right. all the pictures and everything and turn it into attention to their own site because right. of your your keywords what you've done and make you look like you're a dummy and, know, and it seems worse. funny but it's, it's not, not funny at all not at all because it hurts your brand then well it, 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 more than and i think people out there that didn't have the strength that i have i i just kind of looked at him and i knew you couldn't get it off so we we went about it not long ago for some other directions but this Dr. Rosen, whatever, I, I, I forget his name even, absolutely maliciously lied. And you're, the kids of the world have to know that somebody could be so creative and turn everything you put on there upside down and turn it into a, uh, a story that is not the truth by using you because they want to have fun bullying you. 
I know, and and, and, and that's what the doctor was. That's what the doctor job. did to me. He bullied me. I mean, he was yeah. trying to bully me because I, I was well known. Well, and he was jealous. He's probably and, jealous of your well. Success, well, too. I, I'll just, just put it away. Maybe an ego, but back yeah, to the lady a lot on, of it, the, a lot on of the bus. That happens, those yeah. children on the bus with each other. There's nothing to convince me that the children were picking on her. Yes, but they probably picked on other people too. That's oh, they it wasn't just her. I'm sure overnight. it's other children, and and yeah, that that's a whole nother. That's a, a parenting thing. I I feel like that these parents they they're now finally they're they're apologizing and they're they're telling their children to do some work for this woman, which a little bit too late, you know, too little, too late. But also, you know, getting back to the social media etiquette and and what you can put online, there was a woman at a private school where, and she, and this is what I read, she was fired only because she was uh, having a, 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 what was it, a beer in Ireland on vacation. And so there was a picture of her drinking a beer in Ireland at a pub on vacation, and it was on her Facebook page. And then the parents at the private school thought that was unprofessional and she was fired. So there you go. I mean, even things that you think are innocent, when you put them up, you gotta you got to be careful. Well, and, you know, yeah, but, but you know, Marie, um, that, but when we go to put them up, maybe there's something to copyright it on the web. I don't know. We're looking at that stuff, too, because of what malicious, horrible things that Dr. Rosen did to me. Right. Uh, I mean, I looked at it, and, and you know, the strange thing about my, my world, Marie, is I came through my life, and when anybody was trying to be rude to me, I kind of looked at them as, as, as they were kind of backward and ignorant, because so, I think bad manners are that way. Now, that's how I was raised as a young person. I'm older. Now, young people today, they're taking that serious, and they're not ignoring it. They've got to learn to ignore. Go ahead, live your life. Live a, a, a good life. Be aware of not going into the wrong parts of town because there could be a person there that could do harm to you. There's things to learn to be safeguarded, to be aware of the fact to take better precautions. You, you want them to take precautions. I am taking more precautions with who I, what I do out there. I'm not trusting people as much. I, and I sometimes, Maria, I trust people too much. But, I do too. I think we all do because you know why? We want to. We want to believe the good in people. But you're right. The older that I get, the more I don't trust people. Well, you find yourself that people, they're bullying us. And yeah. we women, and I'm going to say this as a woman, I know young boys get bullied, and, uh, but women really get bullied. And I know, especially if they, other women feel like you're, you're, they're jealous in some way. And I don't want to say it's a woman thing, but in a way, I think Well, this woman on the bus, is. I bet the kids would never have done that to a man sitting there. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're, I mean, you know what? I'll take that. I'm not a betting way, person, but, yeah. but I'll bet you anything, world, that lady was being bullied because she was a woman. If she had a man there, they would have been more reluctant. But young people, you know, it's kind of like going to your grocery store. What would you do if you went to the grocery store and people weren't dre- dressed in clean clothes and had good manners for you to buy your goods that for your nutrition. If you go into the bank and do business and you're depositing your money, you don't want them to look like they don't know what they're doing. So etiquette and good manners and and there's a time and place and how we do everything. And that is not being stuffy. That's going out of your way to pay it forward for things to be a better place and, and life. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and it's just it's troubling. The and I'm just hoping maybe all this publicity with the boys on the bus that maybe th- that they're going to take a look at the, their own lives and other bullies will look at that like wow it, it, because maybe they don't really realize what they're doing until they see it played over and over again on television. Well, you know, and she was trying to be so polite, knowing they were just kids. Well, right. she'd probably right. seen them do that to other kids on, on the bus. And But you're back to our parents. Um, good old-fashioned manners at home. Have to, p- parents have to ask for respect in the house. But parents need to return that also, too, Marie. The teacher, at, uh, the parents need to respect the kids and ask for good manners, and the parents need to be have manners with the children. And I think it begins in the home with how you treat each other living under that roof behind those doors, to be considerate of everybody's life in, under that roof. Right, exactly, exactly. And it, and it comes back to not being selfish, because rudeness is selfishness. Oh, it is. Yeah, I mean... That's the bottom line, and that's the thing. You 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 get so irritated with these people. They're on their cell phones, but you know I, I've been guilty too. I remember when my son first started driving, and I was out with some uh, some other couples, and I just immediately grabbed the phone because I thought it was him, and they gave me a dirty look. And I'm thinking, you know what? I deserved it because I should have walked in and said, "Look, my my son's driving for the very first time tonight. I might have to pick up my phone." And if I so, I, have, I just will do it for one moment, and I'm, I, yeah. I hope you'll understand. But I didn't, so I look like really rude. So we have to maybe think about our, less about ourselves and more about the other people in the room. Well, and, you know, and the word selfish is a very broad word. Uh, there's a selfish person who really, you know, the one thing you think about is, oh, I'm just for me only. But then there's people who at the moment do things for different reasons. But you're right about being concerned about life around us. And now we only have one minute left, but what are you really learning that you need to educate us about today about what we're doing out there on the social media stuff? Well, this is what I tell people. If you're going to send a nasty email, which I have done and I've regretted it. I did it five years ago. Never again. (laughs) I did. Honestly, walk out of the room. If you're upset with somebody, walk out of the room, come back. Because it's too easy to press a button. Same with you if you're going to retweet. People said to me, oh, I just wanted to tweet a joke and everyone got offended. Well, because they don't hear your vocal intonations. They don't see your facial expressions. You work in radio. You know what I mean. Right. So think about what you're going to type before you type it. Right. Yeah, because we're cutting, you know, you're going to laugh, but I was uh, texting my daughter recently, and she said, Mother, because I'm not very good at it. Oh, <laughs> I never, I I'm not either. You're young. I'm older. We older people are not as into things like you guys think we should be. <laughs> well, uh, and, and there's no good grammar in, in texting. That's what no, makes me upset. I, I sit there and take time so I get my grammar perfect. <laughs> But anyway, well, thank you for joining us. If you ever want to come on and teach us something else that you're learning, and we want to remind the world out there about what's happening with this communications on the Internet, because people need to be reminded. Don't we don't want to take it for granted? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to come back. Thank you so much. And my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash manners by Marie. I love comments. Excellent. <laughs> and you have, a, yeah, you have a YouTube channel. Great. Good job. Thank well, Marie, you, so you have much. a wonderful day and have a great summer. You too. Bye, Sharon. Thank you for joining us. so nice talking to you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. 
Oh, didn't Maria have, Marie have a great uh, personality? And she's right about the social media. And I was telling you the truth, audience, about what happened to me. And uh, we've been told that, yes, it has done some situations through the period of time, because people will take those things serious. Somebody who's tell, not telling the truth and lying, and uh, people do it intentionally to grab attention to them. And they would do it only to people who they think they could do it with. So uh, to get some attention, well, I want to thank you for listening today. And I've always said this, Earth does have a secret. And we're learning, did we learn it today? From Robert Weir and Marie. Absolutely. And her last name is D-U-B-U-Q-U-E. I forgot to ask her how to uh, pronounce it. And she said, go to YouTube.com slash Manners by Marie. Well, a life does have a secret. Embrace your life. But Earth is always whispering back. I should say the power of water is whispering back with Earth because that's a life in water. Leave something behind. Give something back. Don't take it all with you. I want to thank you for listening. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinerHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network.